Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Truth, Justice, and the Podcast. And as you can tell, these past couple weeks, I've just been interviewing people because we're all in quarantine. And there's things to talk about, but it's far more interesting to talk to people uh, than just talking by yourself about movies or comic books or whatever. And uh, today I have another guest, a man named Zach Gallero, who I've known for a few years of my life, uh, mostly pertaining to my high school years, just like my last guest, who was Lydia Safford. And um, over the course of our communication, mostly through social media, uh, sometimes before at when we were at school, uh, I've got to know a little bit about Zach and his love for theater and film and uh, we have some very interesting conversations. And most recently, I've noticed his involvement in this uh, operation called Four Media Productions. I think I got that right, right? Yep, you did. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I find all that very fascinating as an aspiring filmmaker and somebody who's sort of doing the same thing. Uh, I figured it'd be great to talk to him. And uh, yeah, I'll throw it over to Zach and he can do a way better job at talking about himself than I can. So, yeah, Well, thank you so much for having me. I was really happy to get the text that you were interested in interviewing me. Um, yeah, so my name is Zach Gallero. Um, I'm currently a film and media arts student at Sacred Heart University in Fairfield, Connecticut. Um, I very, um, Eduardo mentioned, I very recently started working with three of my friends um, on Fort Media Productions, which is our media company that we literally just started in the beginning of March, and uh, while we didn't choose the best time to uh, get it off the ground, of course, we didn't know the virus was going to be spreading around, we were going to be stuck inside, but we're focusing right now on photography, filmmaking, uh, sound sound and music production, um, the works, and that's sort of what we're doing, and me personally, I'm a big um, theater and film enthusiast, I've been acting all my years of high school, where I went with uh, Eduardo. And yeah, and I'm continuing that to my college career. Nice. It's, I always found it. Uh, I actually didn't realize that you were a film major. I thought you were a theater major or you were like, you know, they're like people who do artsy stuff in high school. And then you find out they're like an engineering major or something like that. And oh, like, yeah, that that could never be me. I was yeah. never good with math or sciences or anything like that. Absolutely Bro, not. <laughs> same here, honestly. The, clo- the most I know about science comes literally from, like, just reading IMDb trivia about Interstellar. Like, that's all it, like, or <laughs> Instagram posts about quantum physics. Like, that's, oh, my goodness. that's, a, that's <laughs> as deep as it goes for me. I think even if you tried to sit me down and, like, tried to explain the science behind Interstellar, I, w- I would lose my mind. I don't think I would understand, like, a single, like, piece of it at all. Yeah. It's oh, my goodness. The, the complexity of what is that. I mean, they... I mean, they had to like they had to invent whole new ways of thinking about quantum physics in order to even like write that movie properly. And I believe, exactly. yeah, and I think uh, the guy Kip Thorne and like two other guys who were in, they won like the Nobel Prize for Science right after that for their work on quantum physics. It, um, really? Yeah, that um that they used to like help make that movie. So I thought that was fascinating. I didn't even know about that. That's really interesting. But the deepest I know is, um, I'm trying to remember what scene it was where they're on 
the new planets, like every like one and a quarter seconds, like you hear a new tick, and that's like a whole day on Earth. That's the most scientific like, I can get with that movie. I'm just like fascinated by like how beautifully the score was written, and I'm like, oh my god, like I, I, I wish I could just be that creative, like be that smart with how um, you just create something like that. So. It seems effortlessly. Yeah, I know. That's one of those, yeah, the Miller's Planet sequence, uh, which I love. And the first time I saw that movie, um, when I was watching it, and it got to the point where uh, he tells he tells her, he's like, that's not a, those aren't mountains, those are wave. that's a wave. And <laughs> oh um, my God. that pan up on the wave, I started crying in the movie oh. theater. I couldn't even, like, handle it. Like, that was too much for me. <laughs> <laughs> There's just, like, you just, it's just those moments when you're in the theater like it doesn't matter who you're with it's just like so significant you're like this is the most amazing thing like I've ever seen you don't think anything can top it it's just like breathtaking exactly I, I think I went to see that movie in the theaters like I think I saw it a total of four times in theaters uh, wow that's how that's how just obsessed I was about I mean I'd never really seen something like that before and in my life prior to that that was sort of the start of me going to the movies a lot more. So it was like that experience, experience like that wasn't really something I was used to. So when I saw that, I was just like, whoa. And it's that's the movie that after that day, I decided that I wanted to be a filmmaker. So that's super cool, man. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we, we all have like that one like movie we can think of that was like super impactful. I think like I think when Interstellar came out, like I think I was just like kind of like like taunted by like the three and a half hour runtime, so like it never really like I was like I'm not gonna go see that like I don't want to go see that and it never really like hit me that like that was such like a cool concept for a movie the only space movies I had seen was like Apollo 13 with yeah. Tom Hanks and I was like that was enough for me like I thought that was the coolest thing ever um yeah but I mean we always got those movies I, I'm, a, I'm somewhat ashamed to admit that the movie that really got me into like filmmaking and just like understanding films and cinema like generally was like the super life of walter mitty with ben stiller oh man i remember that i saw that just just a feel-good movie that like had no it had a plot but it was so random and just like it wasn't like it was funny it was just like it just was a feel-good movie of like sort of like self-discovery and i was like huh i can i can get behind this this is nothing like a some pixar movie i would have watched when i was like five or something like that yeah Yeah. Think yeah, I, I, yeah, I remember seeing the Secret Life of Walter Mitty in theaters and being like, "Oh, it's Ben Stiller. Like, let's go watch that, right?" Like, because that was the main draw. Because it was like, I don't know, Jack about movies at this time in my life. And yeah. I remember being, I, I do remember coming out of the theater and like, I to this day, a lot of those sequences like have stayed with me, like the use of um, 2001: A Space Oddity by David Bowie, um, with like oh Kristen. My God. Yeah, and I remember just being, like, so moved by that, watching that movie. Regardless of what may or may not be the significant uh, plot dysfunctions that that film has, I feel like in in if you're going to break a movie down to, like, creating a, mo- a moment or a feeling, I feel like that movie, like, succeeds, like, tremendously. Oh, absolutely. I, I, um, I feel like, I think it was Robert Downey Jr. who was talking about it. Like, Ben Stiller is, like, he, he he's much, like smarter and wiser than he sort of gives off I know he just sort of has this notion in Hollywood of just sort of being like this like goofy guy who like will do movies with like Jack Black or um, just you know these uh, random comedians who obviously we all love um, mm-hmm. 
but I think Robert Downey Jr. was like talking about, especially with like Tropic Thunder. Like, yeah, Ben was like so, like so, like he made everything so well thought out. And Tropic Thunder is something I watched when I was like little and had like no like recollection of like a like what's going on or b like what's the significance of like Robert Downey Jr. like literally like in blackface. Like I'm, I'm that, yeah. I was that ignorant at that time when I watched it, but going back to rewatch it, I was like, oh my god, like that's like I see like they're what trying like what they're trying to like prove at this point. Or like they're trying to put their messages. I just, it's, I just think it's amazing. Like some of the thought that goes into some film, even if it's just a simple comedy that like no one really talks about anymore. Yeah, I remember. I, I think, I, I believe you're talking about the interview that Robert Downey Jr. did with Joe Rogan, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I remember watching that because I was like, nobody this big has been on before except Edward Norton, so I have to see this. <laughs> And I remember him talking about that. And I do remember, like, when I did finally get around to watching Tropic Thunder, I remember just being absolutely blown. Because I thought the movie was just like some movie about actors in a whatever. Because my exposure to that movie prior was like watching YouTube clips when I was like 13 or something like that. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, exactly. And then when I watched it, I was like, wow, this is like one of the most clever satires about Hollywood I think I've ever seen. Like, it's so smartly written. And... (laughs) That performance by Robert Downey Jr. will forever be one of the most iconic performances of all time, I think. He's the last oh, yeah. person to pull off blackface in a movie. Especially someone from Downey who's, like, had such a controversial career. And, like, on the surface, you're like, this is absolutely, like, so wrong. And, like, even when you're watching, you're like, okay, there's, like, some parts that go a little too far. But then you take, like, look at the big picture. And you're like, think about, like, how Hollywood, like, came up and, like, the like 19th century or 20th century and you're just like well I mean we've come so far but obviously we can't ignore some of the stuff we've done and they're just like they're just poking fun at it they're just showing how wrong it is it's just it's just genius yeah exactly like the pretentiousness of Hollywood and their idea that they're like like they're like this like savior like they almost have their own little savior complex about like how the art they're creating is like so important to whatever and yeah you you can literally go to like Leonardo DiCaprio like um, all of his like um, global or like um, climate change like advocation. He's flying around this multi million dollar jet, um, <laughs> spreading like uh, like uh, like the carbon emissions like even further into the atmosphere. And it's just like it's super like um, it's just super hypocritical. But I mean, you're, you're going to find that everywhere. And so I think yeah, like that sort of satire like really hits hard. It's hilarious, but it's got a good amount of truth to it. Yeah, exactly. And I do love that. Um when you think about the context of this movie in Downey's career, like you were talking about, like this came at the year that he had his comeback. Cause I believe it was Iron Man, um, Tropic Thunder and the soloist all released within like a year or two of each other. Like all, like, like all three of those movies happened within like a, like a one or two year time span. And I was like, and I, when I was looking back at it, because I just recently had seen the soloist and I remember being like, whoa, all these movies happen at like the same time. And Robert Downey Jr. Like created like the perfect storm for him to like mount his comeback was on a superhero franchise, a comedy with Ben Stiller and like a feel good inspirational movie. Exactly. Now he's just one of the most like renowned like actors in Hollywood currently. I mean, he made like over, I believe like over two million, two hundred million. Sorry, from um just like Endgame or something insane like that. Um, yeah. It's just crazy what like fifteen years can do. And even like five years after Iron Man, he was in Zodiac, which I think is like one of like the best like written movies because I mean it obviously has like a huge 
historical um, significance. I just think like that was super cool. Like his performance of that was amazing. I would, I would agree with you. I love. I think that's that movie came out in two thousand seven. I remember. Yeah, that movie's that movie's. I think that might be the best Fincher movie like ever. And I know people will fight me on that because everybody has opinions about David Fincher's filmography. But that that yeah, his performance in that movie and that movie are like insanely good. Yeah, no, it's just like the thing about like I enjoy about like looking more into like different like films like by different directors, different actors. You just learn about like people who have been around forever, and to, to then they're they're new to you. Um, I think one of like my the biggest examples I always go to is like Jake Gyllenhaal. Like, mm. um, I th- I mean, obviously, like he blew up into like um, he blew up um, over years and years. But like I've just like been going back and looking at some films he's been in. Like I just watched um, Enemy. Uh, oh, this morning, shoot. You know, for the first time and I was like oh my god I didn't like he's just got he's such an amazing actor and it's just I feel like there's some people who go so unrecognized like on the Hollywood spectrum and I feel like he's one of them probably blowing up more now but yeah Enemy was amazing because um, I was just thinking back to um, other Denis Villeneuve uh, Villeneuve however you pronounce his Villeneuve oh my goodness <laughs> <laughs> thank yeah. you just um incredible incredible stuff you find like the, the deeper you go back yeah enemy is yeah i would agree with you on your opinion about jake Gyllenhaal. i don't think he gets enough credit and i think mm-hmm. now obviously a lot of people are seeing him because he was in spider-man and john mulaney and the sack lunch bunch right yeah but and i feel like that's such a bad representation of what <laughs> Gyllenhaal is actually capable of literally <laughs> but literally it, it's hilarious to see this side of him as well Exactly, and I think that's, but that's, I think that's also one of his greatest strengths as an actor, though, is that ability to be able to jump back and forth between, like, the indie world and, like, the real art film world and then the world of, like, mainstream movies that people, like, really, really love and enjoy and kind of just watch exactly. to chew on popcorn, forget they're a plumber for two hours. And he, and in, even in both of those, like, his performances are good. I mean, you can look at a movie like Donnie Darko. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. Oh, I've seen, like, clips of it. I know the uh, premise of it. I just, I could not for the life of me, like, follow it. It was, but, oh, my God. That he, does look he, like a very cool You need, movie. like, a degree in theoretical physics and then, like, a... <laughs> And then, like, do you need to read, like, this big book about, like, the properties of time travel and stuff to, like, understand it? Like, it's a, there's a, there's so much in that movie. It's almost, it's basically, don't go into the movie wanting to understand what's going to happen. <laughs> just <laughs> go into the movie, like, just ready for an experience. But oh, don't try no. and understand it, because you'll be, like, you'll, you'll twist your brain into a pretzel. It's, like, it's impossible, honestly. Want, every, every good film comes back to science, apparently, so I guess I'm just really screwed in the end. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Yeah, um, but I definitely will uh, take a look at it because that's one that's been on my list for like the longest time. I just have a long ass list of like um, all these movies that I wanted to watch um, since I was like thirteen, but like never got around to. Yeah, when I have a question for you about the end of Enemy, did you free like almost crap your pants at the end of that movie? As a person who is already not the biggest fan of spiders, I. <laughs> I don't usually freak out at things if I'm just watching them on my tiny little phone, but I did drop my phone. Bro. I was not having it. Okay, literally. So my church used to do, like, services on Saturday nights, right? Mm -hmm. Because we were like, we'll do three services because there's a lot of people. And, um before church I was in my bed and I was watching the movie and I threw my phone across the room because I had my headphones in turned up really loud 
And when I saw it, I like couldn't even believe I like I was so shocked. I threw my phone. I was like, holy crap. And I had to like go find it. So I was like, if I just broke my phone right now, I'd be so sad. Oh, my God. That that movie, like the um, symbolism of the spiders, like it just like, I mean, it obviously gets you from like the very first opening scene. Yes. And you're just like, what is what is going on here? Like that makes absolutely no sense. You can sort of understand enemies are already a confusing enough movie as it is. Yeah. Um, however you want to interpret it. And I love movies that are open-ended like that. But you're still just sort of like question, like even you're still just like questioning it the whole way through. And then just the ending, where you see a giant, no, this is a spoiler alert, but you just see a giant tarantula in Helen's room. You're just like, dear God, yeah. I'm not expecting that. Yeah, I just, I was just like, literally like, what? And I think I only watched it because I had seen Chris Stuckman's Enemy Analyzed review where he like he did like some video where he was trying to like dissect what the meaning of the spiders was because Denis Villeneuve won't tell anybody and um, oh yeah <laughs> so I, I just think like I just think it's so funny when like directors like um are constantly questioned about like ambig like purposefully ambiguous things and you're just and they you expect like people are like oh I, I expect an answer if I ask them. I'm like no they're not gonna tell you that that ruins the entire point of the film I mean exactly Pulp Fiction is like the most classic example like what's in the briefcase um, what? Like, why does it matter? Why does it matter? It, it could be anything you want. It could be money. It could, it could literally be anything. And Tarantino will never tell you. And I think he said in an interview himself, he loves it when people come up and guess. But he hates it when people ask. Yeah. Like, that's what making movies is all about. Keep the audience on their feet. Yeah, I love that. And as for, like, enemy and movies like that, like I, like, I feel like, yeah, it's, like, such a stupid question. Like... And it's only sometimes it's like sometimes people even worry about like when directors actually answer those questions, like if it's even good for the movie. I mean, if you think about the case of like Blade Runner with Ridley Scott doing that interview and saying that Deckard is. Oh, my goodness. I don't know what's going on. My dog that 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 Deckard was a replicant. Right. And then everybody being like, what? Did he just confirm our theory? And then when Denis Villeneuve did Blade Runner 2049, he like purposefully made that movie to kind of like be like, that may or may not be true. <laughs> Bring it back to ambiguous, which I think was interesting because Ridley Scott was like obviously a producer on that movie and was with him during the creation of it. So I'm yeah. all like, I, I always wonder whether or not like, there is a place for directors to explain what's in their movies, even if it's years later about purposefully ambiguous things. Although yeah. I, I prefer the purposefully ambiguous and leaving it like that because I like the theories that people come up with. Oh yeah, and just like that's what that's what makes a cult classic is like you yes. have something amazing, like something like special about the film that like nothing else really has, or there's some charm or some open-ended. Um, scenario and that's just what sort of makes them like i guess more interesting um it would be like if every if every film followed the same structure like i trying to think of like what's a good one like um no country for old men yeah like if at the end of the movie like javier bardem's character just just died like he just got shot and that was josh brolin came out um victor of it all that would be such a boring ending to such an amazingly thought out and written movie um so there's just I love these like little quirks and um, definitely enemy is a great um, it definitely is a crazy quirk um, with all the spiders and just the different symbolism behind it I think that's what really just makes film so entertaining to people like you and me yeah 
Definitely. I recently just watched Cut No Country for Old Men, like literally last week. Um, oh, such a good movie. I don't even remember why. I was just like in the mood. For some reason, I was like, I convinced myself I was going to double feature No Country for Old Men and Sicario um, oh, because I just wanted to be in like some Western neo-noir phase. And um, yeah, I was, every time I get to the ending of that movie... I always like it's almost frustrating, but at the same time, it like it feels like so perfect when you get to that point where Tommy Lee Jones is talking about those two dreams he had and then it just ends. And you're literally like the person we were following the whole movie is dead. (laughs) (laughs) The bad guy just walked away and the law is is like, are they even going to continue finding him? It seems like they gave up by this point in the movie. So, yeah. It's one of those weird things, but I but it also kind of fits in people who watch Coen Brothers movies, the trend of just open-ended yeah. endings and like non-resolutions and like they're very their movies are very Old Testament feeling. <laughs> yeah, they're they're it's so um I mean another like one on my list that I very much want to watch is Fargo that I've never gotten around oh, to. Oh, I just um, watched that. Oh man. Really? I, I I know the entire plot at this point, but I'm like, oh my god, that sounds like such an amazing movie. It's so um good. and that's just like another one, like which just it's just random, but it all makes sense. Like No Country for Old Men, it's literally in the title. Like Tommy Lee Jones is too old to be going around and, and hunting all these like bad guys at this point. He's like just let them win. Exactly. So, um, I love it when there's like when there's a meaning and it, that's still very nice. Um, but you can't you can't always get like a good meaning or like a very like um, I guess like a, yeah, just can't you really get a good meaning most of the time? But honestly, who can complain? If it's a good movie, it's a good movie. Yeah, exactly. And I think regardless of you know what everybody is like, whatever this means or whatever this means or whatever this means, I think like when you're able to watch something that's like crafted well and like written well whether or not even whether or not you agree with like what the movie is saying right because people can totally disagree with no country for old men and think like you know it's those people we need them because the world is changing we need someone to like ground us or whatever but at the same but then at the same time somebody with the opinion of being like it's only the idea of like innovation and progression that we're able to move forward and solve our problems um is like the way to go but regardless of whether or not you agree or disagree with that like you can't take away that the incredible like what is essentially a two and a half hour chase sequence between um Lewin Moss and Anton Chigurh and then all of the very interesting uh dialogue that Tommy Lee Jones has in that movie where he's trying to figure stuff out but he's also like coming more and more um in touch with what his purpose and or lack of purposes in life right so but yeah just great movies everybody needs to any movie we bring up except if we say it's bad go watch it (laughs) yeah absolutely um just i mean there's so many like you just like there's so many like different like ranges and like through time and there's just so much um i just love going back and being like i love picking other people's brains as well about like the most obscure movie that they watch that they think is just amazing um yeah i wish i could think of an example off the top of my head but there's so many just weird ones out there that are like so significant just like some people's lives yeah, yeah, I've de- I've definitely been there with talking. I'm a lot of people I've known. I've just been like, and they tell me these things, and I'm like, you know, because so, sometimes there's always like the person who likes the really weird movie that's like 
that you're low-key scared to watch. <laughs> okay, so I, I'm going to go ahead and uh, make fun of myself here. I have a strange obsession with The Lighthouse. Um, that oh. I don't even I don't even know what it is about that movie um, that makes that like draws my attention so much. But literally, I think that's one of those like obs- like not even obscure because that's obviously brand new A24 film. Um, yeah, that's, that's, on a, that's on a lot of people's radar. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's a weird movie, but it's I don't so know weird. what it is um, it, about it that's just so intriguing to me. Maybe it's just the fact that Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson work so well together. Maybe it's just the fact that it just um, looks so visually different than anything we've seen in the past couple of years. Yeah. Yeah, um, that that's movie just one is... Of those weird ones. Yeah, that movie, I remember when I got to the end of that movie, when I saw it in theaters, just being like, what? <laughs> like, but I loved it, even though, like, at some point, I, even though at some points I was like, uh, I don't know how much longer I can take this. But, <laughs> but, but that's like, that's, that's a good example of like one of those movies that's just like, cause like when you watch that movie, if you watch the trailer, like you really won't think it's going to go really in any of the directions it actually goes into when you're watching it. Like it was a complete, like I'd seen the trailer and I was like, Oh, it's going to be Robert Eggers. And like that dude's a savage. And like, this is going to be awesome. And then I remember when I was watching the movie, just being like, everything I'm looking at is surprising <laughs> to me. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, I really don't nothing, know what's going on. nothing coherent versus like, like the witch, like we understood what was going on there. Like yeah. we, we, we kind of got like the premise um, pretty early on, but then like with the lighthouse, you're like, what is that siren in the background? And I'm like, your second like, time through, you're like, I understand everything perfectly. I feel like a god just knowing what is happening right now. Exactly. And I just, and then everybody, and then like the divisiveness about what the ending is and everything like that. Like there's just so much. That movie's like so dense. I like to say that that is when Robert Eggers went full Bergman. Um, (laughs) Because. That's really funny. (laughs) Because he went like straight up like, bro, I'm going to go like cries and whispers on these people. Like it's going to be so weird and like dreamy and ambiguous. And like, I'm just going to throw like images at you and you're gonna be like where did that come from and and it's all gonna mean something and uh you may or may not even get it at the end <laughs> it, it, exactly it's just like i've i've uh, same with you i've seen like a lot of like videos trying to like decipher it and they're like there's like ties into like greek mythology here yeah and there's like so much there's so much going on it's just kind of like like where does like what do the two characters like represent like what are their actual desires and like the um sound cue of like the foghorn in the background yeah um, like a very distorted foghorn like has like a huge significance once you realize it's just like pattinson's like um i think it was like unrecorded like sexual desires like throughout the entire movie not to spoil it completely but yeah. like um it's just it's just interesting like some things you just gotta watch the second time through and you're like oh okay i understood that or some of them are like um you just get them right up front like, yeah. I feel like Sixth Sense was one of those for me. Like, I guess pretty quickly right off the bat, it was like, oh, yeah, his, he's dead. Like, there's no way this is happening and he's alive. Like, he is 100% not here right now. <laughs> um, that, that was one of those examples. I was just kind of like, this is so strange. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So it, that's the only logical explanation. And then at the end, you're like, okay. And that's one of the biggest twists. And, like, I feel like that's still talked about today. 
is like a Shyamalan twist. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he, I mean, he, he pulled it off. I mean, with his first couple movies, if you think about, I mean, the sixth sense is really what put it on the map. Or if you think about a movie like unbreakable, right? Like the idea that like he was there on that train and he survived that because of, um, his powers. Then you're like, Oh shoot. What? But yeah, yeah. Um, the scene in the lighthouse, though, that really got me. I want to know what your favorite scene is uh, after I say what mine is. Was right. when he finally snaps on that uh, seagull. And he's just like I, <laughs> smashing it against the rock. I remember just being like, like, I remember just being like, like your brain just goes like flat lines. And you're just like, oh, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really hope no one takes this out of context when I say it, but I think the funniest, the, the only funny part of that film is when he brutally beats a bird against like a, against the bulkhead. That is the funniest thing ever. Yeah. Um, not not for not for violence against animals, but oh my god, that was hilarious, and it, it just fit perfectly with his character. Like that was like that was the point and that's when everything goes downhill and you can argue like oh it was like it's like destiny that like they get trapped on the island now or this is just all like a weird coincidence whatever you want to say but um i think as far as like my favorite scene goes um i would say just like the um trying to remember like at what point it was is when robert pattinson has it's either a dream or it's like a really weird like um lucid moment in the movie and he sort of finds like um Willem Dafoe's dead at like like dead wiki who like had been there before him and like he's and Willem Dafoe's like staring over him completely naked with like um with the light light coming oh yeah it's so it's so almost like it's like a painting almost I feel like like that like was like the scene in the movie it was so weird and very uncomfortable when you're watching it like with people yeah and even when you're watching it by yourself you're like what i'm looking at naked willem dafoe who's, like 60 years old or something like that at this point it's and he's just, got like, light coming out of his eyes <laughs> he's got light coming out of his eyes and i'm just watching this and there's so many images in the, that movie that are so strange and like obtuse but that was one of them i was like this has way more significance than i can comprehend but that's so it's so scary like that's just like one of those things that's just like it's terrifying when it's not even terrifying yeah exactly i did you ever listen to that a24 podcast that him and ari aster did with each other no i didn't so if you look up the a24 podcast they there's an there's two of them because they did one cut that was like a shortcut and then they did like an extended cut of the interview because they went like real deep on Ingmar Bergman. Um, that it's very interesting uh, to listen to that and then look back on their movies. It like kind of changed the way I saw Ari Aster and uh, Robert Eggers movies a little bit after watching them talk about it because they're just talking to each other the whole time uh, about yeah. what they like. And uh, it's very fascinating to see. So. Yeah, and I'm sure they're they're on the same wavelength of like this is so normal to them, but to like us, the audience, it's like oh my god, this is gold. Every word that they're saying is like it's scripture to us. Yeah, there was a uh, yeah, literally, there was like actually a really like cute story in there where Ari Aster talked about how he was show. I believe it was Ari Aster talking about how he was showing Hereditary for the first time um, as like a at like a friends and family screening. I believe it was that, and it wasn't finished. And they didn't have, like, the score done, I think, or anything. 
and they were showing people and he said uh, he said a lot of the room was like dead and like they didn't really get it like you could tell that that like it really didn't play well in the room but he said Robert Eggers was there and he gave him like the thumbs up like this is going to be legit and then yeah I mean, and then we all look at Hereditary, which literally, like, to this day, I'm like, Ugh. it freaks me oh out. Oh, my God. So, so creepy. And I feel like the scariest moments, it, it's funny you say, like, the score, like, wasn't there yet. I think the creepiest moments is when there's just dead silence. Honestly. Um, and you just hear, like, the like the sawing. Of, and, like, you just hear, like, the song, and, like, Alex Wolf looks up, and you just see, like, Tony Collette, like, literally taking her entire head off in, like, the corner of the attic. And you're like, oh, that, my God. That, that I'm dude. losing my shit. Yeah, my uh, actually, you know, it's weird though. My favorite, I think, my favorite moment of that whole movie. Before we move on to my next question, um, is the very beginning, because I watched this whole like breakdown about what the like symbolism in the movie and what everything is like, like all the real world stuff that is already exists that uh, Ari Aster had put into the film, and. In the opening track, there's like these like, it sounds like um, uh, what would you call it? Like like hooves hitting the ground. Inside really? of the opening score, yeah, and like you kind of have to listen to it, and it's like that whole first shot where like it pans through the window, and it's like looking at, and it's looking at the um, the uh, uh the treehouse, and it pans out, and then it goes into that room, and then it goes into the house. There's like this like. Like in the, in the um in the score, and I remember just being like, "What is that?" And I'd seen a breakdown, and when you look at that picture in the film of Pyman in that book, he's on a camel, and it's almost like you're hearing, uh, yeah, and it makes that opening scene like a thousand times creepier. <laughs> oh my god! I need to rewatch this movie again. Bro, I need to rewatch Midsommar because I've been like I re- I've been like dying to watch it again because I only saw it once in theaters, and I and I thought it was really great, but I feel like it plays it would play better for me a second time because I did like have like a this movie might be a little too long for me moment, um, or a little too long to like I think it might be dragging it out long, but I want to see the director's cut. I want to see that like almost three hour version. Interesting. Yeah, I would love to see a director's cut of that. Um, yeah, I think it's an think, iTunes again, exclusive. Like, yeah. Again, Ari Aster is just a genius, obviously. Um, but he really knows how to terrify. Like, you, through, like, subliminal messaging and just, like, doing absolutely nothing. Like, just, like, the foreshadowing in both of those movies is excellent. Yeah, honestly. I, I, I just... Yeah, I remember just when I first saw Hereditary and being, like... When I first saw it, I just, I was like blown away by the sheer amount of detail that was in that movie. And for that to be like his first like feature, right? To think about that and seeing like, it felt like I was watching like somebody's 10th film. Like I was like, this is like somebody who's like so good at what they're doing. Like this had to have been like a, such a developed skill by this exactly. time. And then when you watch Midsommar, I mean... The thing is, like, when you see, when you hear him talk about, like, a lot of his influences and, like, there are a lot of these weird 70s movies that were, like, semi-disturbing or, like, Bellatar movies and stuff like that. And you're just, 
and you're watching and when you watch his movies you just feel like that he he understands the idea of like the quiet build and the idea of letting just what's ha- what the story is speaking for itself throughout the entire time and then when you come to that insane conclusion it feels both completely outlandish and ridiculous but entirely engrossed in that world and yeah no i agree 100 percent. yeah so but anyway <laughs> before, before <laughs> we, I compl- we, we could go on for so long about that honestly yeah because that dude's a that dude's straight up a master i'm already i'm i'm hyped for whatever he does next which i'm pretty sure isn't going to be a horror movie um hmm. i feel because i i don't know a lot of the interviews i've heard he talks about like how he has like he only really wrote like two horror movies and then like the rest of the movies are like of different genres. So it'll be I interesting love to see a movie of his that like isn't like terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't imagine what he would do. It, it sounds it would be like Quentin Tarantino writing like a like a, a rom com. Like that doesn't exactly. make sense. <laughs> Literally. Exact I mean, you could low key say Jackie Brown is a rom com, like if you really want to stretch it. But <laughs> yeah, you could stretch it, but it was a really well thought out film. It was way more than Yeah, <laughs> that movie was that. like I mean, I like how he describes that movie where he was like, I wanted to kind of do Pulp Fiction again, but I wanted to show them I could do it without violence. <laughs> mm-hmm. and it no, was, and it was and it was so well done. It was so good. That movie is so underrated. But um I agree. Yeah, I Jackie Brown's awesome. But uh so my question is, what brought about the uh, the creation of four media productions? I really want to know more about this because I see yeah. it and I I'm like, what is this? And I'm so confused every time I see a post because I'm like, I'm not sure what's going on, but I know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So a little bit like a backstory. That's me. So me and three of my friends, um, Eric Filer, Billy Hawkins, and Josh Holland, we all went to BCA. We all met in the sixth grade. Um, and since then, we've like um, split apart to like different schools, and we're all going to like different colleges, or we're doing different things at this point in our lives. And so we've always like we've always sort of like had like similar interests in the arts. Like we've always been into film and television um, or as long as we can remember but it's always been different aspects um, for example Josh has always been um, in choir he's always like been obsessed with like making like his own like sound and like he does so um, such ama- he does such amazing work when it comes to like sound production and he's got a super talent he's super talented he's got an amazing voice um, Eric is a genius graphic designer like I've never seen like someone like ma- like make so many like edits so quickly as he does and then Billy's always done photography and he's always been like genius with um, just his spacing and like blocking and everything he just he just knows how to take a beautiful picture and then obviously I've been acting I've been into like make I've always like to make like short films like obviously it was like it was literally like back when like I had like a flip camera like I would be like making like little short films or something like that nice um yeah and so I mean we've we've talked about doing so many projects over the years like we like literally ranged from like opening a restaurant to like moving to California just to see what would happen when we go there and this is us talking when we're like 15 and so a couple of months ago we started talking about like hey like we're going to college now like we're obviously like our skills are getting like a lot better in our respective fields what if we actually do something with it like let's just make like a portfolio let's just see what it looks like so we discussed it um, didn't really touch upon it for a little while and then 
I was back here for spring break and I sat down with them and Eric and Billy were like, listen, we really want to do like a media company. Like we really want to get this off the ground. Like, are you in? And I was like, absolutely. So um, the three of us and as well as Josh, we all got to work, made an Instagram account, website. Um, we So we have like the very like basics of a website currently. Um, and we're like, what do we start with? And we're like, let's just find people who we want to work with. And so uh, we worked with one guy um, for a little bit and we built up like a very tiny following. And obviously it's, um, there's a long way to go, but we're focused right now on personal photography. And we, me and Eric have also been discussing making a movie um, for like years at this point, probably like three, probably like three years at this point, we've discussed like trying to make a movie or a TV show last summer. We attempted, ran out of time. Um, this year we're much more planned out, um, coordinated and all that. And so we're just kind of like trying to brand everything arts, arts wise underneath this title of four media. So right now our Instagram page is, um, we post every Tuesday and Friday. We're just trying to get like some of our pictures out there and we're just like, we're sending them to each other. We're like, what do you think? And we're like, okay, well, like I like A, B, and C, but not D, and this is why, and like this is how you should edit them. Then we'll send stuff over to Eric. He'll be like, I'll make a design of this. If you want to post it, you can. If you don't want to, you can't. Like, it's up to you. And so it's a lot of, I know I'm ranting right now, and I apologize. But no, it's, it's a okay. lot of going back and forth and um, just trying to collaborate on like different ideas right now. And so we're a little bit like just trying to figure out what to do. Obviously, we can't really meet up with anyone or get any client or like really like get any clients like face to face because we can't go outside um, and interact with people. So it's a little tough with that. But our, our main goal is just to be like a multimedia company at this point. Nice. Nice. I think that's really awesome. As somebody who currently is essentially doing the same thing, but solo, uh, I used to have like a partner in it, but they're gone. So it's just me now. Um, gotcha. Yeah. So I, I find that I find that all really fascinating because I love seeing. Oh, I, I I like I like especially the fact that it's all like multifaceted and like I know that like you're into film and stuff like that and like, you know, I would I would definitely love to be like to see whatever you guys put out or if you guys ever need like any collaboration or help, I would love to be a part of that because. I don't know. I want to get like more connected with other people who are doing that stuff. And I definitely want to, you know, see what everybody else is doing, too, because I really don't know that many people like within the uh, this arts community, weirdly enough. Um, Yeah. Which is strange because I'm like I moved all the way across the country to California for school. (laughs) <laughs> so I can do that. And I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, uh, it's it's really it all comes down to like who you know. And so like we, I would absolutely love to work with you on on literally anything. And I know they would um, extend like the same feelings as well. Like we like uh, most of us, we're just like we know people either from school or just like personal like like connections, whether it's like family or just like family friends. It doesn't really matter. Um, Billy, we always joke, he's like the king of Haverhill, literally knows everybody. Like if you go downtown, you ask him about Billy Hawkins, they will know him. And so he has lots of connections um, with other like art creators. It doesn't matter really what it is. It could be literally anything. Um, There's lots of people at BCA. I think even like John Buckley has his own media company at this point. I I think. That's a legendary name. (laughs) Yes, it is a super. 
super legendary name. If you go to BCA and you don't know who John Buckley is, you are simply too young. Um, <laughs> Honestly. And, and that's coming from someone who never even, like, <laughs> who never even, like, met the man. I just, I've heard all these stories about him. Um, yeah. Same. And so, it's just, like, there's, like, you can, it's, crazy like you know like so many people who have like similar interests and they're just like I want to be a part of this so bad um and so like we're in the process of like trying to figure out like okay well who are we going to market to like like if we get like uh, more people like if we just collaborate with more people I mean everyone's going to be interested because everyone brings something new to the table um you obviously I know I know you've been working um forever um, behind the camera and I know you're definitely a genius with it so I would love to do some stuff with you eventually yeah yeah I mean yeah it's just like I I definitely just want to be like I want to know what everyone's I like whenever I found out about like this four media productions thing and I remember and like all our conversations online I was just like dang like this dude could like really do some stuff so it's just cool to like actually like see what you guys and actually like know what the heck is going on now that you've explained it to me because I'm totally like uninformed but (laughs) (laughs) no no that's and that's not on you um we have a long ways to go we still have to brand ourselves and we're trying to um make our image like a little image a little more clear um Mm -hmm. but we're starting small um like I said before it didn't start at the best time so it's a lot of just um collaboration between the four of us trying to decide like what's the next step like what do we want to do like do we want to continue trying to make a film this summer are we even going to be allowed outside in big groups to make that happen like what's the goal um honestly and so it's a it's a lot of that so i think at least right now not to completely put the blame on something that is out of our control but we have no idea what the situation is going to be like in like three weeks, two months, and we have no idea. For real. So, as soon as everything clears up, it would be a lot nicer. Yeah. Um, if we have something definite, but it, it, it will probably change in three weeks. What, like, what's going to happen? Yeah, for sure. I've definitely because of this. It's like, uh, I've obviously this coronavirus crap is annoying, and it sucks because like I was working on a short film. Um, at at school when I was back in California and then spring break got extended a week and then they like canceled school and then they were like everybody has to go back home and then I was just like I can't even I work so hard I've been weeks (laughs) weeks (laughs) I'm like it's been so long trying to get this going and I was like I was like something like a quarter of the way through filming it or like a third of the way actually and then I had gotten sick so like that I'd cut like a whole week off the schedule but yeah but I've been currently right now I've been working on making uh two shorts uh taking place during this quarantine thing neither of them are the virus of 2020 or anything like that (laughs) no but that's still awesome yeah this is Um, i feel like i saw this thing and it was like this is a quarantine not a productivity challenge and i was like dang for like the entirety of this thing i've been treating it as like productivity challenge but i think it's like i feel like now is a better time than ever uh, for some creators yeah. because you're stuck at home there's none of that all that time that you spend going to and back and forth from places and having to leave your house to go through do things is like completely eliminated and I feel like a lot of that extra time can be devoted to actually making stuff again and I've exactly. definitely tried to take the initiative in doing that I've got myself like 
a website up and like working on a portfolio and like Behance and like trying to do better at like my video editing and my Photoshop skills. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I guess hopefully I, I'm assuming you guys are doing pretty much the same thing right now. Just trying to do more stuff and be creative while you have all this time. Yeah, and it's not like we can necessarily like not leave our home. So it's a lot of like individual going out, just looking around, like, hey, like, what can I, what can I photograph? Like, what, is this a good like location to film? Like, when everything like calms down, and without trying to sound like a like shitty like business Instagram post, like if you don't come out of this quarantine like with something new, like something new under your belt that you've learned, like you wasted your time. Like we're stuck I, yeah. inside and e- nearly everyone, like 90, I'm going to say like at least 90% of like people who are into the arts have some, like have some smartphone that they can film on. Um, they can like have access to the internet. Um, post, post what you want to make, like post like what you created. Um, there are people who I've seen make short films literally shot on, on like, an iPhone like six or five, like and the image quality doesn't look good. But if it comes out good and you like, you can like rack up all these like um, likes and follows and views, and it's like, and that really can transfer over into currency if that's what you're like looking for. And there's so, there's so much you can do at home, and I feel like people don't take advantage of it. Yeah, I I feel exactly the same way uh, about that. I especially like. It's like I said, there's so much time now. You have so much time. There's like absolutely no excuse not to do something. So I know I've I've like started devoting a lot more time to like making content like weekly, like bi-weekly now and like working on photography. Obviously, I mean, you see like you follow me on Instagram. I like post stuff. Uh, oh when yeah, I, when I'm no, I, lo- I love your photography so much. <laughs> I gotta say, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Come on, Celeste. I'm sorry, my dog is like moving stuff around. I do this podcast, been trying to like get more interesting stuff with that because I want to take it new places, uh, especially with interviews because I like I love having guests on to talk about their own things. So yeah, but yeah, no, it's super nice to talk to someone with like similar interests. That's very nice. Honestly, yeah, because there's. It feels like, especially with, like, film people, uh, it feels like there are not that many of them who, like, really understand. And, like, because, mm-hmm. like, you've made shorts, I've made shorts. We both, like, are studying film purely by watching film. And it feels like it feels like there's, there's just, like, we're such a small community, I feel like. Like, it feels like we're yeah. big on Instagram because you see, like, four million posts or whatever. But, like, how many of those four million people are in your area? Like, five, maybe? Exactly. In the country? Yeah. <laughs> that, you, that you actually yeah, you know? Yeah, no idea. Um, and that's what's, so, that's what's so nice about, like, working with friends is because you all have the same interests. Um, and if you don't have the same interests, you're all in, like, the same, like, group of, like, artists supporting artists. It's, like, one of, like, the, it's, like, one of, like my favorite phrases, like, support the arts. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, that's what I love about, like, this community is, like, you're so supporting. It doesn't matter what you're making. You can make something that you can completely disagree with. Like, you think, like, that is not something that, like, I would ever purchase or, like, I would never, like, watch this. But the amount of effort that went into it, I know what that feels like. And that's awesome. Like, I think that's great that this person is doing um, such good in like A, B, and C even if I don't agree with like X, Y, and Z exactly um, 
so it's just it's just cool like i think this is like an awesome community to like just like support people and obviously social media makes that so much easier and that's sort of what like Ford media wants to go for is like help people um along down the road obviously once we have like a bigger following we want to like help people um get what they want and like we want to sort of just be that source for like hey let's go here if we if we need like this filmed or we need like certain like something photographed for an event or something like that mm-hmm. i have a hard-hitting question for you yeah absolutely do you think carol baskin killed her husband <laughs> Oh my god, don't start me on any Tiger King drama. She absolutely did. It's, it's, it's an undeniable fact. Everyone in that entire show is such a suspect. So sus. Like, you're literally talking about, like, people who have, like, are, like, pro-con men, like, have, like, literally given death threats over, like, years and years of, like, an online shitty, like, internet show. Like, Oh my god! Like Joe Exotic. Like first of all, free Joe Exotic. Um, he needs. Uh, he, he just needs to, like a little bit of air. I think he's okay. I think he's fine now. Um, I just think people are crazy, and you never. And there are like literally people who like see this and they're like, "Oh yeah, this is what America is, and nothing else." I know, right? Isn't that a shame? Isn't that such a shame? It is such a shame. It's like back when, like, Honey Boo Boo was big and people thought that was the pinnacle of American culture. That That, was a terrifying... That was was a terrifying... That was was such a weird cultural moment to be living in. Like, that, like, rise of, like, the new wave of, like, reality television shows. Yeah, when, like, TLC was all the rave. Oh, my goodness, TLC. John and Kate plus eight. That was a trip. Oh, God. (laughs) And, like, like... Or like sister wives or something like that. Oh and I my goodness! My head. I could not wrap my head around polygamy, and I was just like, uh, okay, okay. And there are yeah. people called Mormons, and that's it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like such a weird. That was such a weird cultural moment to be living in. To the, I still mm-hmm. like cannot believe that like all of that stuff was like popular and like something that like people like really enjoyed consuming like or like even like keeping up with the kardashians like a lot of like i knew people who like loved and watched that show religiously and i would always think like you're literally just watching like rich people complain about (laughs) (laughs) non-issues i mean that's all it is but you know what the thing is it's entertaining that's that's what it comes down to it doesn't matter what the content is if you're entertained they're always going to keep producing it. Exactly. That's, and I, it is. that's the, I don't know if you ever saw, um, oh shoot. What is, oh my gosh. I'm going to, I can't believe I'm about to forget this right now. Oh, oh. oh no, you're all good. Don't worry. There's this movie called Vox Lux. That's uh starring Natalie Portman. Uh, if you have Hulu, you should watch it. I'm pretty sure it's still on there. Uh, all right. It's a, it's, it's, I, I'm 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 upset at myself for having not seen it in theaters when it came out because it's ridiculous. She stars like a, a pop star who, when she was a child, she survived like a horrific event. I won't I won't spoil for you what that event is because it's crazy when it happens. Um, All right. <laughs> and she has like this whole there's a whole part of the movie where there are these terrorists who like commit like a mass shooting or whatever and. Um, they're wearing like these masks that are very clearly inspired by some masks that she wore in a music video. And she talks about, um, they ask her like if she has any issue with that. She goes, she goes, I think like the best thing to do about it is just like, just stop 
playing that stuff on the news or giving them attention because that's what they all want anyway, right? And then she goes, I mean, and if we did that, I mean, there'd be no more people like me, right? <laughs> and I was like... <laughs> and I, and in my brain, I'm like, I that's, mean, that's, exa- that's exactly a thing. Like, we, they, those people only are such a forefront in our culture because we're deciding to pay attention to them. Mm. Yeah, it, it's a sad reality. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you, you can get very political with it. It's just, it's just super... It's super upsetting to see some of the stuff now. But yeah. Yeah. No, I totally get it. That's definitely what, what uh, I definitely will give that a listen. I mean, a watch, sorry. <laughs> a listen. <laughs> uh, it's like, yeah, I like to shut my eyes. <laughs> uh, it's not really about what's happening. It's what I hear, what yeah. I feel. Oh, I Just bet. Just be listening to Hans Zimmer for like three days straight. Yo, uh, bro, Hans Zimmer, that dude's... Oh, d- second actual legit question. On a scale of like one to like fifty seven thousand, how excited are you for Dune? Because oh my god, <laughs> um, here, here's my thing. So I knew nothing about like the series Dune um, before like anything was released. Obviously, we all saw like the Timothy Chalamet picture. Um, I believe it was in like Variety Fair or something like that. And I saw it and I was like retreat. I was like, what is this? I thought it was. Just, I literally just thought it was a shot from the King. Um, like, the Netflix, like the Netflix movie. Yeah, that movie rocks. Like, That's another underrated yeah. movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, huh, like, it's just Timothy Chalamet. And I was like, what's special? I was like, what's Dune? So I looked it up and I was like, oh, it was a movie. It was a movie adaptation of a book. And then I went and like, I went and talked to my dad. I was like, dad, you ever seen Dune? And like, he came around the time of Star Wars. And he was like, oh my God, that was the worst movie I've ever seen in my <laughs> entire life. He's like, you gotta understand it came out, I'm pretty sure right after, um, the second Star Wars and so like in comparison it was just so poorly made but then I like the cast list come out you got Oscar Isaac um, Josh Brolin all these like amazing actors that are like popular now and you're like wow this is this is perfect like I, I'm actually super excited for this and then reading a little more about the plot and I mean obviously you got like an amazing director you're just like this is this looks amazing like I'm excited for like a new like sci-fi movie of like an adaptation of a book that I've never heard of like I'm very excited you know how long I've been waiting for Dune how long I've been waiting for Dune since Blade Runner 2049 came out in theaters (laughs) 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 because really Denis Villeneuve did a did an interview where he talked about how after Blade Runner 2049 was finished um, I don't know if it was like his producers or his agent or studio came up to him and they asked him, what do you want to do next? Uh, you can kind of, you can basically do whatever you want now. I mean, you did Arrival, you did stuff that made us money. What do you want to do? And he said the first thing he said was Dune um, because it's been a passion project of his for so long. And uh, I own like this very beautiful embroidered like leather bound copy of Dune that I've yet to read. Um <laughs> And I'm like, I, I really am just, I, I've been following Denis Villeneuve's work since Sicario. That was his first, I saw that in theaters, um, knowing nothing about who he was. And then since then, I've been like nothing but obsessed about him. And I'm, uh, I, I cannot, I cannot wait for Dune like so bad. And I, that yeah. shot of Timothy Chalamet with like the stuff flying and like on that planet because that's another planet apparently that's not even earth um because because everything in dune takes place on completely the opposite planets and yeah reading up a little bit about the lore it's like i'm sure it's one of those movies where there's like a whole extended universe that i'm not even going to be in to comprehend okay i'm still (laughs) literally the book 
is like 400 pages, but there's like three appendices in the back of the book. Oh God! That are like 200 pages long. <laughs> I don't know if I, I don't know if I have the will to read that. I'm already such a terrible reader. I don't know Bro. if I'm going to be able to sit through all of that. I, I, I'm always, I will gladly go to opening night of the movie, but like I might go in with no like idea of what's happening, and I'll still be happy. Yeah, I'm like I want to read the book before then. And I, it's still my goal to read the book because it doesn't come out till like September, December, and like mm-hmm. that movie is going to be split into two movies because he said the best way you could do that movie is to do it in two movies because the lore is so like deep in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's interesting though about your connection to st- how you talk about Star Wars, the um, oh my gosh, Joe Dorowski did a script for Dune that never got made. Um, which heavily inspired George Lucas's Star Wars uh, when it came out. And the David Lynch Dune came out in 1984, which I believe was a year after uh, Return of the Jedi came out. And Yeah, that sounds about right, yeah. yeah everybody talks about David Lynch's Dune and that being... <laughs> A thing, just, uh, a thing that happened. Yeah, <laughs> just, just, it's just one of those things. Like you just kind of like try to sweep under the rug. Yeah, um, but, you never want to mention it. Yeah, exactly. So apparently, according to IMDb and the uh, Denis Villeneuve section of IMDb, there's Dune, which is coming out obviously in December this year. Please, Jesus, don't let it be pushed back because of this coronavirus crap. Um, I feel like by, by that point, like that will be one of the films that won't get pushed back. Um, it better not. I, I'm hoping. I'm I, really hoping. I cannot wait a single day more than December 18th, 2020. <laughs> it's engraved in your mind. Like, I, that's I, what you've got to go do. Literally. I've, I've been waiting for this for years. Um, and... Uh, and then there's another thing that's going to be like an um, a, a mini series called Dune Sisterhood, which focuses specifically on one character. Um, I don't know if, whether that's a sequel or a prequel or whatever that is, because he said Dune is going to be two movies. And I'm like, well, one of those is clearly not a movie because it says it has episodes. Um, so I guess we'll see what happens with that. But I'm hyped. The only thing I can say is that I feel like every Denis Villeneuve movie that's made now will always be uh, missing a little something because of the death of Johan Johansson, who was the composer of... I believe he was the composer of Enemy. He, he was the composer of Sicario, and he was the composer of Arrival. And, uh, yeah, that man was a genius. His scores were like... I mean, I'm pretty sure you've seen uh, uh, Sicario and Arrival. Um, I actually, I actually haven't seen Sicario, but I've listened to like some of like the soundtrack of that, so I know what you're talking about. Yeah. That movie, okay, the images and sound like compiled in that movie, like that movie's already uncomfortable because of like what's in it when you see it. You should watch it like as soon as possible, like rent it. You're in the quarantine. What else are you gonna do? Um, <laughs> right, I've had nothing to do. <laughs> and um, I remember the first time I saw it, I think it was like, I was like 17 because it came out in 2015. I remember feeling like sick to my stomach at points. Oh, wow. Like it was just so much. And like that theater was kind of empty. So it was kind of like all the sound is just hitting you because there's nobody else mm-hmm. blocking, like blocking it or absorbing it. And that yeah. movie, just like everything that was going on in that movie and like the tense, the like the like sheer tensity that's happening in that movie. You're just like. 
oh, I feel like I want to throw up so bad right now. This is like, <laughs> there's so much going on in this movie. You can't say a film has ever made you like physically want to throw up. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's that's the one movie, or maybe not the one movie, but that was def- that's the that's the that's the movie I cite the most in having that experience. And still That's like cool. enjoying the movie, and then going, and then literally liking it so much that I like, like told my dad, I was like, "Please, I will literally buy your ticket if you go take me back to go see that movie." <laughs> <laughs> and we did, oh, and I saw it a awesome. second time, and I was still blown away. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I have a question for you. Uh, huh? Another question. I keep saying that, but like, it's not like I haven't been asking you questions for like the last. No, hour. yeah, <laughs> I got you. <laughs> um, uh, what were your favorite movies of 2019? Like, give me like a top seven oh, to ten. Seven to ten movies oh. that you loved. Ten movies. Okay. Now I gotta like really like think hard about what came out this year and what didn't. <laughs> um, okay. So I mean, right off the bat, like I gotta I gotta go with Parasite. Like that. Wow. Just, that movie just amazed me like way more than I thought it was I think I was on like once they announced like the list of like Oscar movies I was like okay well I gotta go and see all like I gotta try and see as many of these movies as I can because I realized I'd only seen like I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and like one or two others yeah um and even once I, I hate to say it but Once Upon a Time in Hollywood I really did not like that as much as I thought I would <laughs> I uh I, I'm disappointed in myself for saying that i had a similar experience actually i saw that movie in theaters four times and the first time i watched it i literally was i I was with my girlfriend we got out the theater and i looked at her and i literally was like was that boring and she was like yes (laughs) i was like okay so it wasn't just so it wasn't just me who was like completely like what is going on for like the last hour of that movie and then exactly and then like i thought the ending was amazing but i remember just being like can i watch this like for even a minute more because i don't think so and then i went back and i saw it with my dad and he and he grew up in that time so like he like really recognized everything that was going on um, right, especially with like, the Manson family and everything. Yeah, exactly. And like all the Hollywood, like he knew all the music stars and the Hollywood people were. But that mm-hmm. second time I watched it, knowing that that movie was like two hours and 30 minutes of Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt just hanging out and then yeah. crazy stuff, it played so much better for me. Like, so much better the second and then the third time was easier and then the fourth time was easier even though i fell asleep the third and the fourth time but that's not the movie's (laughs) fault that's not the movie's fault that is the fault of i went to the movie theater like way too late (laughs) to see it to see it those next two times i'm like i'm usually like fast asleep by now and like those theater chairs are so comfy and you're just like you're just leaning back and you're like well i'm gonna take a nap involuntarily (laughs) and then wake up at the end (laughs) Yeah, so Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, interesting. Yeah, I just I was just like a little bit disappointed by it. Like with the star power you had it, I mean you had three huge hitting A list celebrities. And I was kind of like, huh, that was not what I expected at all. And then obviously at the end they got pretty crazy. And I was like, that was the most Tarantino part of this movie. The rest yeah. of it I feel like was filler for that one moment. <laughs> it didn't need to be filler. Yeah, um, it's it's interesting, and I also feel like. Um, 
I mean, one of the things I like adored about that ending was everybody. Everybody talks about how violent that ending was because you were like, "Oh shit, yeah. what the heck!" But I feel like what's weird though is one of the things I like the most about that ending is that song that he used, which was "You Just Keep Me Hanging On" by Vanilla Fudge, and that's his own cut of that song. Like that, that's a really? whole like reworked version of that song just for the movie. And it just adds to just every single, like, that, all the tenseness in that movie, all, like, the creepiness of those weird people who broke into their house. And then, like, <laughs> Brad Pitt is, like, he, what he do? He smoked the cigarette um, that was dipped in acid when he was walking his dog before. Oh, that, that, see, that <laughs> entire section of the movie was hilarious. That was, that was too much. I like when he has the flashback, when he opens the cigarettes and goes, hmm. And then it goes to the flashback and he's like, what is that? She's like, it's a cigarette dipped in acid. <laughs> and it's like, well, I guess we're doing this. And then and he's, yeah. like, and he's like, and the train has left the station. <laughs> it, it sure was a really interesting movie. No, yeah. Even if it didn't like keep my interest, it kept my interest the whole time, but mostly just because I was, just me being a Tarantino fan, I was like, all right, what's going to happen next? What's gonna happen? I was like, when are we gonna see something insane happen? And it's just kind of like, no, like Rick Dalton's just down in his life right now, and that's kind of it. And I was like, okay, well, that was much more charity. But you know what? It, like, I'll I'll move on. I'll move on to what's fun time in Hollywood. Yeah. So, but I would still I would still play on my top ten because I feel like I didn't watch a ton of new movies. I would definitely put The Lighthouse, Midsommar on there. Um, uh, let's see, let's see. God, I'm trying to think so hard of like what came out last year um Endgame was significant I loved Endgame to like an insane degree um Endgame was great I mean I remember watching Iron Man literally on my friend's phone in the back of my mom's minivan like that's like that's how like significant like the Marvel movies have been Bro, I just like remember watching that bro I saw Iron Man in theaters as a 10 year old kid and yeah. I like that day, like that day has forever been in my mind because I remember like falling in love with Iron Man that day. And then I remember getting to Endgame and just being like, dang, I'm here. Like it's been 10 years. Yeah, it's I was like, like it's I'm like, so old and I've done nothing. <laughs> it's been a long time coming, seriously. Exactly. Yeah, like I literally remember like one of my first memories with um, Eric, who's, who's one of the founders of Four Media. Um, like my earliest memory with him is his. Like one of his, it's like in the sixth grade at one of his birthday parties, we watched Avengers, and that was my first time watching Avengers, and I was freaking out because I had only seen Iron Man before this, and I'm like seeing all these new characters, and I'm like, this is crazy. Bro, same. Happening right now. Literally, bro. I had only seen Iron Man and Iron Man Two and the Incredible Hulk movie. I completely skipped over Thor and Captain America, and then when I and then I only went to go see Avengers because I got invited by a friend, and I remember being like. When did all these people show up? <laughs> I was like, I don't know these people. This is great. This is awesome. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I don't think I could go through without saying um, Joker. As much as like with the controversy that follows it and like my personal feelings or towards Joaquin Phoenix, I just thought it was such a beautiful looking movie and wow. like it was just awesome. Wow. You know, it's crazy. Joker was like maybe my third favorite movie of the year. Behind really? the Irishman and Uncut Gems. Oh my God! I how did I completely I completely forgot about those two. I <laughs> loved Uncut Gems to like Uncut Gems to like a, to a T. Like I thought I was like Adam Sandler just made me so much happier than when I watched Grown Ups. Like I don't know that I know that's possible. <laughs> and um and I watched Joker 
two more times uh, yeah. recently because I had bought it on Blu-ray, and it went all the way to my number one. <laughs> I was literally, really I was literally like, the feeling I get when I watch this movie is so, so way above and beyond anything any movie this year had made me feel. I, I think. Yeah. And uh, I mean, everything from his transition into officially being the Joker. Yeah. Onward, from the moment where he's walking down the the hallway to the elevator, and he turns around, and you just see him do his little eyebrow thing, and is like just the slightest of slight smirks, and that and song. Like, oh, this is so creepy! And that song is playing. I literally was like, okay, I'm all in. I'm all yeah. in. And then I and love I that is- ending so much with the riot and everything like that. I was like, it felt to me like I was watching Taxi Driver meets Mean Streets meets mm-hmm. like every gritty 70s street crime movie. And I just yeah. I loved every minute of it. Yeah, I love the Taxi Driver like inspiration. Um, yeah. I think I had like literally just seen Taxi Driver like maybe a few days before I went and saw Joker. And I was like, this is the exact like same movie but completely different at the same time <laughs> and I think that was like that was super cool um uh and just like like and just like seeing like the dedication like I think he was I think Joaquin 100% deserves um his Oscar for that role uh, despite like just like personal feelings but how like cause I I'm one of those people who like thinks like oh if you're bad on set then I'm just not I just I can't really like support you 100% but I was like, you put so much time and dedication to that role. He was so close with Heath Ledger. And Heath Ledger is one of my favorite actors of all time. I was just like, I feel like a personal connection to this role. And I was like, this is awesome. Yeah, I actually, dang, I didn't even, I don't even, I haven't heard any weird Joaquin Phoenix on set. But I also never really pay attention to Joaquin Phoenix, like, in news, in media news. I only yeah. ever see him in movies. Like, I, he's one of those yeah. people I just, like, don't follow. Like, I don't think, like, what's the next Joaquin Phoenix thingamabob? Like, that just never oh, yeah, pops exactly. in my head. I feel like it's, like, one of those, like, Jake Gyllenhaal-type actors. You're just kind of like, oh, he's been dated back all the way to, like, 2000, I mean, 2000, when he made Gladi- when he was in Gladiator with Russell Crowe. Yeah. Like, that was one of his first big films. And it's just sort of, like, it's not even that, like, I go seeking out information. It's just sort of, like, I just hear it. And I'm just kind of like, oh, that's kind of crappy. Or, like, you, or like even if it's, like, just, like, offhand, like, I'm not trying to go look for it, but I hear such great things about Christian Bale. I'm like, well, that makes me want to watch more of his movies. So yeah, except for, that, except for that time you got mad at the DP on Terminator Salvation for moving those lights. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I heard about that when that his reputation went downhill and he was, like, apologizing for it. And I was like, ah, you know what, whatever. Like, water under the bridge. That, <laughs> like, that, trying to, uh, that felt like it was so big for the shortest amount of time possible. Exactly, Yeah. <laughs> And then oh it like, goodness. and then now like nobody even like nobody even remembers that. Like you bring that yeah. up, and like most people will be like, "Did that happen?" Everyone's like, "Christian Bale? Are you sure?" Are you yeah. Sure? <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Christian Bale, um, how did did you see Ford v Ferrari? I did not. That was one of the movies mm. that like I looked at seeing, and I was like, I was deciding between that and nineteen seventeen, like oh. to go and see. Okay. And I was you, like, you, I want to go see nineteen. Well, you picked the better choice. <laughs> Because holy shit, 1917 is another one that's going on my list. For like I literally, bro, 19, when he was running um, through while that first wave was going, I was like straight up crying in the movie theaters. I was like, can't do this. This is too oh my much. God, it was amazing. This is, this is too emotional right now. <laughs> 
<laughs> it was such a it was so such a well shot movie and just so so cool. Especially he dedicated um, the entire film to his grandfather. Yeah, um, like, of course, Sam Mendes like Sam Mendes dedicated the whole film to his grandfather. I was like, that's amazing. Yeah, that was that was so good. I loved. Um, I love Roger Deakins' cinematography in that movie so much. And I was glad he won again, right? Uh, he did, yeah. Yeah, I remember I remember being like, because when he won his first Oscar for Blade Runner 2049, like, that was a moment for film. Because it was uh-huh. like, Roger Deakins is probably the most snubbed person in film history. Um, oh, yeah, what was it, like, 11 Oscar nominations and he's never gotten one? And, yeah. like, I forget what it dates back to. Yeah, it was it was it was insanity. But then, like when they finally gave it to him for Blade Runner, and Blade Runner twenty four nine was literally the best cinematography work of that year. So I just remember oh, yeah. being like, "Yes, finally! Like it's actually happening." And I was like watching on the TV, and I was like, "I I'm I'm going to faint. This is so good." <laughs> Even though it's like, well, who would put that much? trust and power into the Oscars. Not me anymore, exactly. but <laughs> you think about it now, uh, you, think about, you think about the last couple of years and you're like, oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Like, you really know? guys, The Shape of Water over Dunkirk? Let's be real right oh, now. Oh God, don't, don't start me on The Shape of Water. Please don't. <laughs> Thing is, what's messed up is though, I loved that movie when I saw it in theaters. Yeah. I thought it was so good. But I was like, there's like at least two more, two or three movies on this list that are way better. I think, I think I was like, I think I was like turned away from The Shape of Water because I think someone described it to me as like a weird, they said, I think this is a Hellboy fanfic. And then I was like, what? And then like, I just like looked a little bit more into the movie and understood like, I think like the creature like looked a little bit too much like Abraham or whatever. Like, yeah, like, it looked like Abe Sapien a little bit. And I was like, uh, this now this is weird. Now this is weird to me. I don't think I'm gonna watch this movie the whole way through. Uh, see, I didn't even I didn't even think about I didn't even think I had seen the Hellboy movies prior to that movie. I think I only watched them afterwards. But oh, yeah. uh but I know it was the same actor who played Abe Sapien as who played the creature in Shape of Water. And they yeah. they do look similar. I will not deny the similarity the sheer it's almost like they it's almost like they updated the costume of Abe Sapien a little bit and then put it into yeah. the movie to save money <laughs> I like I like grew up like watching I remember Hellboy being like one of the first like action movies like that like I watched like and I like remember I was like this is so weird but like kind of good and yeah. so I think that just like stuck in my head and I was like wow he looks exactly the same like that's weird yeah and Guillermo del Toro as a director I don't know how you feel about him. He is a director that I literally like of the Mexican trio that is Alfonso Caron, Alejandro Gonzalez and Yuritu and Guillermo del Toro. He's like the one I literally like pay attention to the least and have like virtually no interest in any of his movies when they're coming out. Hmm. I think mean, I mean call it ignorance on my end. I don't really like I never like really focused like any of my attention on like very much like foreign filmmakers. Like it's always just mm. like like, I'm just always, like, in, like, the mindset of, like, oh, you got, like, your, like, old, like, you, like, you got, like, your, like, Steven Spielbergs who are, like, held, like, such a high renown, and, like, your people who are, like, somewhat modern, but also started in, like, the 80s, like, Quentin Tarantino, and now you got, like, all these new guys that are, like, coming in, like, um, Damien Chazelle, who makes, like, just these amazing, like, movies, and you're just kind of, like, well, like, it's, I just, like, I'm so focused on, like, guys right now who are, like, just basically, like, made in America like I never really like thought about looking into foreign film of course Parasite came around and I was like 
blown away by that. And this is when I started like diving into like more like foreign films. Like mm. there's so much good cinema out there that I never even like recognized. Yeah. I, I really thought, um, Parasite was really good. I feel like my only issue with that movie though, was that epilogue that it has, I felt like lasted like five or seven minutes too long. Like, I feel like it got to a point where I was just waiting for the movie to end. Yeah. I but, can understand that. I feel like yeah. with the narrative of the movie, though, I feel like the, the movie was like, it, it was like a plot that is like, you're sort of like, why hasn't this been done before? Like, that's sort of what I was thinking. I was like, why hasn't this been done before? Like, or I can't even like think of like inspiration that would like drive this movie like to its creation. I was like, I feel like it's such like a like, like well thought out movie that like, I feel like the epilogue was like justified because I was like, I feel like you're oh, allowed to have like a happy ending even though the situation was all far from happy. Like, it was such a terrible, um, like, um, not a terrible ending, like, in the sense that it was bad, but, like, a terrible, like, moral ending, I guess. Yeah, and there's, like, a bitterness to it. And, like, it's not even that I didn't like that because I like the note that the movie leaves off on. I was just, like, it's almost like, it just feels like, I feel like I was at such a high, such a high, when you get to, like, that big climax sequence in that film that when it gets to that that falling action i just remember being like wow this is taking a long time like it feel because the whole movie is ramping up like like way 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 up and like it's a different movie every like five like 20 minutes you're watching like something entirely different than you were before and then when it just got to that point it's almost like with waves i don't know if you saw waves um, um, I did not. That's another one that's supposed to be on my list. That, that is on my list, but that's another one I haven't gotten to. Great A24 movie, Trey Edward Schultz. Just peak of what they can do there. But that movie, on a first watch, didn't play really well to me because the movie is split into like two parts. And the first part comes to such a huge emotional, like energetic climax that the second half of the movie almost feels like it did it like it feel it feels like the movie should have ended when, like halfway through the movie rather than in the second half that it does end which is interesting cra- which is crazy to think about but like upon rewatch i definitely felt a lot better about it um but that was a movie that I remember because I, I thought it feel and it feels like so much time has passed when you get to like the second when you get to the end of the first half of the movie that I remember being like, oh, this is going to be the end of the movie. And I remember I was waiting for the end of the movie. And just recently, I actually saw like when that second half starts. And I and I spent that whole time thinking it was like, oh, maybe 20 minutes or half an hour. I was like, that was a whole hour of the movie. <laughs> And I was was like, that's why it didn't play well, because I was waiting for the movie to end for an entire hour, because I thought we were done (laughs) halfway through it. But That's funny. Yeah, but I don't know. Free free A24. They don't get the recognition they deserve. No, they do not. A24 movies, I I will go see anything just because A24's name is on it. Exactly. Because I'm like, like, obviously there's movies that they do great. Sometimes there's movies that aren't that great. That's a given with any movie studio's record, but their record 
is immaculate compared to most studios because they are very selective with what they do. And they pick like amazing talent who wants to tell stories that we really don't see a lot. Um, People like David Mitchod, who is the director of The King. I recently watched his film The Rover, which was like an early A24 movie from like 2014. That movie is wild. I think it's on Netflix. So if you have Netflix, you should watch it. Um, Absolutely. It's got him and Robert Pattinson in it. It's got it's yeah. uh, him and Robert Pattinson. It's got, um, oh my gosh, the Andrew Killian from Iron Man 3. I can't remember what the heck is. Guy Pierce is Guy Pierce and Robert Pattinson in it. And it's just, it's, wow. such, it's such a good, like, it's almost like Mad Max, but like now and the first Mad Max movie. So it's like not super, it's not all the way post-apocalyptic yet, but it's, de- but you're like at the beginning stages of the apocalypse. That's interesting though. Yeah. It's really, yeah, it's it's a really cool good. concept. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just like a 24 just really like bring, I mean, they got like some great directors under their belt as well. Like you got the Safdie brothers. Oh um, man. You got Ari Aster who's made two of his features with them. Um, and I mean, if you asked me like three, even three years ago before I knew much about his like career now, if you asked me, what do you think about Robert Pattinson? I said, wow, his career died with twilight. Like, <laughs> What a turnaround for that guy! He makes such awesome. He's such an amazing actor. Like now that you Literally. see some stuff, like I, like I watched Good Time like last month, and I was like, this movie is great. Whoa. Like this is like I remember, why haven't I seen anything but like with this guy in it? And like literally, like if you asked me four months ago, hey, what do you think of um, what do you think of Robert Pattinson's new Batman? I would have said, ah, oh, my God, shoot me now! Like literally, it's such a downgrade from Christian Bale, and now I'm excited. I'm so pumped to see. Um, him take on like this iconic character. Literally, I'm so excited, bro. See, see, I never watched any Twilight movie, and mm-hmm. I know tons of people who have, and a lot of people who watch the movies that are so bad that they're good. I can't do that. I'm like immune to that sentiment of this yeah. is so bad. I could literally have a great time. I can't do that. It's it's impossible. It pains me. It pains me. I get phys- I get bored when a movie is bad. Like it gets hard for me to even just like keep my attention on the movie even though like I try really hard but I've only ever yeah (laughs) Yeah, I never got those I never understood those people and the thing is I'll watch movies about bad movies like the disaster artist I can never watch the room but I thought the disaster artist was awesome um but I've only ever been exposed to Robert Pattinson in his post twilight phase with all the new good movies that he was doing like I saw Good Time, I think, was the first movie I ever saw with Robert Pattinson in it. And then I watched, um, oh, shoot. I watched Claire Denis, another A24 movie that came out, um, I think it was last year, uh, High Life, which was crazy good. And then I saw The Rover. And then I'm pretty sure I'm missing another movie, but I definitely saw another one. (laughs) And I remember when they were like, oh, Robert Pattinson is Batman. And I remember being like, uh, initially when I heard that news, I remember being like, that is the greatest choice they could have ever made. I wish I had thought of it first. Because huh. my whole time when they were doing the, oh, who's going to be Batman stuff, I remember thinking like Army Hammer. <laughs> I was like, he should be Batman. <laughs> and now I look back on that. Batman as well. And, yeah, he could be. And I think he was, who was he going to play? Wasn't he cast in like um, George Miller's Justice League Immortal? And I feel like he was either going to be Batman or Superman in that movie. And I can't remember who. But um, 
I remember being like, oh, that would be such... Because I had seen Call Me By Your Name, and I was like, oh, he would be such a great choice. That movie was so good. He's such a great actor. But Robert Pattinson, I think, was definitely the way to go. He brings that that edge and that darkness that... Oh, without a doubt. That a lot of other actors can't pull off. I mean, even when you just... I mean, even from just Good Time, when you look at that movie, like, you can tell, like, this dude has seen some awful stuff in his life oh yeah throughout that whole movie like he's such a good performer and um exactly yeah it's just it's just awesome and he's one of like the trio of like the young the younger guys who like do really good stuff with their eyes it's like him ryan gosling and uh tom hardy are like really good actors with their eyes which is something that's like very rare to find it's, yeah, I think it's funny that we're saying um, Ryan Gosling is such a good actor with his eyes when it looks like they're he's falling asleep half the time. I, that's my personal grievance. Yeah, with, um, <laughs> that's my personal grievance with him. Oh but, my goodness! Um, oh, what was that? I, I watched something with Ryan Gosling the other day. Um, Oh, shoot. I'm going to have to figure out what it was. But I do remember looking at him in the eyes because I was like, dang, what's he doing right now? And I remember being like, are are they like, is he like, okay? (laughs) I remember being like, I was like, it feels like they're not really like fully open right now. It's like, nope, nope, that's just what he looks like. Oh, yeah, it was Blade Runner 2049 because I watched that like last night. And I remember being like, it looks like it always, and it looks like one of his eyes is about to like close. And then the other one is like. Still, it's like he's like half asleep, but only like half of his face is showing that he's awake. Yeah, still a phenomenal actor. I just, um, I just feel like it's like some of his movies. I'm just sort of like, oh, that was not as good as I wanted to. Like, I was not a fan of Drive personally. Oh. I did not enjoy. Oh. I, 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 a lot of people say like, oh, Drive was awesome. I was like, uh, I don't know. I like, <laughs> I don't, I don't really know if I enjoyed it like that much. Have you seen any other um, Nicholas Winding Refn movie? I have not. Okay, well, you should definitely check out The Neon Demon, Valhalla Rising, Bronson, and I don't know, I feel like there's one more, but definitely those three. Uh, Oh, and Only God Forgives, Uh, and then, like, report back to me, because... His movies I are. Really, I really hope my I hope my um, opinion changes because I thought like I just thought the narrative was just kind of slow. And I think that's all it really was that got me. Yeah, I feel like like I don't know when I first saw Drive, it came off the heels of me watching Taxi Driver, and gotcha. I had I love Taxi Driver. I think that movie is personally slower than Drive, <laughs> um, <laughs> because I don't know. It's just that movie is just so in the zone of just being like we're gonna like just straight up like sit in the silence until you're just as crazy as this guy um yeah but drive i don't know there's just something about like the style of drive that kept me completely in it the entire time like with the music and like what one of my biggest surprises was that it was not as even actiony or violent as i thought it was going to be but it didn't really matter to me because I know a lot of people don't share the sentiment, but I I remember being like very engaged with that romance between him and um, Carrie Mulligan's character mm. to the point where I was just like, literally, I could just watch the whole movie. It's just this. If it's just this, I'll be OK. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then it goes like full on insanity by the end of it. Like people are just people wearing masks and being like drowned and like getting hammers to the face and like. It, it was a very intense ending. I'll give the movie that. It was yeah. very, very unexpected. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so I guess my last sort of thing I say is 
where can people find you? Where can people find Four Media Productions? Uh, tell us about anything you got coming up. Tell us about any plans that uh, maybe may or may not be cooking uh, personally and with them. And uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so as far as I go, um, I'll be I'll be here until the end of the summer when I go back to uh, Sacred Heart to start my sophomore year um, doing a lot more film classes I'm just hoping to just learn new techniques just like learn more about the industry and that's what I really want to do as far as more media goes uh, we're currently on Instagram YouTube and we have our own website and email uh, our Instagram handle is at 4 Media Productions and you can find a link to our website there as well which will have our information for our email you can email us about like any inquiries if you have any questions or just like want to like do some project together um all four of us can see that so one of us will definitely respond to you as soon as possible um see as far as projects go um we are looking to work on actually um skate um skating videos uh for uh, skateboarding i should clarify we have some skating videos that we're trying to um work on right now uh billy hawkins is going to be heading that um me and eric phyla are currently in the um process of writing a film that we've dubbed project red red pill blue pill and we're hoping to be filming that this summer we're really excited about that um and that's what we're doing on our end um but yeah that's our goals are just to create content and we're hoping to um get a little bit of a following from that hopefully by uh this august awesome awesome so thank you for listening everybody please go check out four media productions zach Iero, at all those places i'll link them in the description of this podcast and uh i guess just have a nice rest of your day have a nice day zach and yeah, thank uh, you so much for